The choice is yours. Camp Green Lake or jail. Uh, well, I never been to camp before. 18 months, Camp Green Lake, son. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. What's up, everybody? Hey. hey. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. November is a National Novel Writing Month. Yay! What? NaNoWriMo! Yes! You might be wondering, what does this have to do with a movie and TV podcast? Well, plenty, actually. Yeah! (laughs) Poppycock. (laughs) Adam, come on, you have to read every once in a while. (laughs) Speak for yourself. Yeah, like street signs. (laughs) Exactly. Whether it be Jurassic Park... Or The Princess Bride, some of our favorite films were adapted from novels. So, we're marking this occasion by bringing you three episodes all about books and the movies that followed. This week, we're taking a look at a childhood favorite. Yeah! Oh, man. How many times did you read this one? (laughs) Three. Three times. Three whole times. In 1997, young adult fiction author Lewis Sacker began writing his most ambitious book yet. He had covered stories about children in school and home, but this time he decided to focus on a location he hadn't explored. What about kids in prison? Ooh, yeah. For 18 months, he sat at his computer, mapping out the history of a place called Camp Green Lake and building the story of a boy whose last name is his first name, Backward. Holes is possibly Lewis Sacker's best-known book. It won the Newbery Award in 1999, cementing its place in children's literature alongside the likes of The Giver and Bridge to Terabithia. Five years later, the story got the full Hollywood treatment, with a feature film starring John Voight, Sigourney Weaver, and Shia LaBeouf. Hey! Yeah, no, man. Do you guys remember seeing those Newbery Awards on <laughs> yes. the books. You know, it. I remember every time I saw it, it meant somebody dies in the book. Yeah, And that's oh. what I told my parents. I said, well, it's a Newbery winner, which means that somebody dies. A main character, probably. <laughs> yep. Right. And uh, it, it was pretty accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. that was pretty true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because the Newberries teach kids important lessons, and that's just a big important lesson that's in lots of, you know. So a lot of these books were downers. They were. There was A Taste of Blackberries. You guys remember that one? (laughs) Best Friend Dies, Gets Stung by Bees. There's, there. I mean, Bridge to Terabithia, Best Friend Dies, Drowns, Cried. Yeah, that one's rough, too. Then there was, like, Number of the Stars, which was about the Holocaust. Oh, yes. So, obviously, very sad. You know, it was, like, all of these Mm -hmm. books were, like, dude, I'm really sad. (laughs) After reading this, this book bummed me the hell out. And then Holds came along. Yeah. It was a book... Like the others, yep. it had the, the metal on it, mm-hmm. and yet it was not soul-crushingly sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cassettes, hop on the bus with us to Camp Green Lake, and we'll dig into the history of holes. Yeah. <laughs> dig it up. Oh, oh, oh dig, dig it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to sing that, but we had to. Probably it's not. so <laughs> good. Yes. It, would would we say it's a certified bop? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh. So obviously, guys, this was a book first. We just yeah. mentioned that. <sighs> because it's NaNoWriMo month and we're talking about books that mm-hmm. became movies. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the book now. Which, Ooh. by the way, my entire life, since I was like 11... I thought it was Louis Sachar, but it's Louis yeah. Sacker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even believe that. I don't even, I don't even believe that. I you. know. I only learned it because I listened to the audio commentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, NaNoWriMo is my favorite catchphrase from Mork and Mindy. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you. When Louis Sacker set out to write Holes, he focused on the location of the story first. The author had moved to Texas a few years before, and he wanted to tell a story inspired by the heat he experienced in his new home. I think the, wow. yeah. yeah, I think the exact word he used was depressing. The depressing <laughs> heat yes. of the summer. <laughs> he didn't set out to write a story with any particular moral or lesson. He just wanted to write something thought-provoking and entertaining. This method seemed to work because the book was a favorite among kids everywhere. In our school, it was one of the only required reading books that most children genuinely enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was how many per year, you think? Like six? Oh, that yeah, was like that. Yeah, there were quite a few. Yeah. yeah, we would go through quite a few books, and mm-hmm. it would always be like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. We'd have to do reports on yeah, them and what was, they mean and what rough. was the symbolism. Yeah, and it's like medicine, you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's like even if you had medicine that tasted good, yeah. It would still taste bad because it's medicine. Right. Yeah. You know, because someone is making you take it. Mm-hmm. But it's like that with books in school. There was something about being forced to read right, it that really right. made you not like it. Yes. And I think that that was what it happened with every book. But mm-hmm. Holes was different. Mm-hmm. I remember every time this was the book where people were like, well, Holes was all right. I did enjoy Holes. Holes, <laughs> Holes was a good one. Yes. Holes. Yeah. The story does touch on themes like friendship, racism, destiny, and hope. But another lesson is that stories change over time, and perspective is everything. The story is written on a foundation of misunderstandings. Stanley believes the outlaw Kate Barlow to be a ruthless thief when that's not the whole story. Similarly, Stanley is wrongly accused of stealing. While he was creating the story, Sacker decided not to interrupt his train of thought to come up with the last name for the main character. So he just spelled the character's first name backward and left it at that. As the story process continued, there became plot points surrounding the name, and so it stayed that way. That's perfect. Yeah. I loved that part. <laughs> yeah. Like we said before, the book was ambitious and challenging. So he started every day by typing the word try before writing anything else. It took him a year and a half to get it done, relying on the help of his young daughter to let him know when the story didn't make any sense. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. Holes was published in 1998 and quickly became part of the reading curriculum at many schools. Not long after, it got the attention of producer Teresa Tucker-Davies, who shared it with director Andrew Davis. Davis wanted to adapt the book into a live-action film, and he contacted Sacker about the idea. Sacker was hesitant, but Davis assured him that he would be included in the process. That's like a must. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's how I would feel, too. Mm -hmm. Well... No. <laughs> don't Hollywood it up. I don't like, want that I don't to want happen. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
With some collaborative help from Davis, Sacker took over a year to complete the screenplay, keeping the story as true to the book as possible with some important practical changes. The film was greenlit by Disney, and filming began in the summer of 2002, only four years after the book was originally published. Wow, that's fast. It is quick. <laughs> it, it says a lot about how good this book is. Yeah, yeah. When you're in school and you're reading books in the curriculum, you kind of just assume that they're all at least 30 years old. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. these are approved books. Meaning, yeah. Like, meaning it, multiple people have read this. Yes. And it's like, Yeah, good it's, and... you know, you just kind of assume that. Yeah. And then you read Holes, because by the time we read Holes, it was still a new book. Yeah. Was, I, I didn't a, even know. I yeah. didn't even realize that. We had that. no idea. We thought it was just a, you know... 40 years old, like everything else we were reading. We didn't realize that it was kind of a brand new, relatively new story. Mm -hmm. You know, there are few stories that we do, few movies that we do mm. here where I think everyone knows the story here. Because <laughs> this one is one of those, I think. Yeah. There are, mm -hmm. Most people listening right now probably have seen Holes or have read the book because it's so ingrained in a lot of schools, at least for our age, I'll mm -hmm. say that. Yeah. But if you are one of the gems out there who hasn't, first of all, go see the movie. Yeah. It's definitely worth your time. But here is the synopsis. Stanley Yelness has never had the best of luck, thanks to his no-good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather. This becomes especially apparent when Stanley is wrongfully accused of stealing a pair of expensive sneakers. Just like that, a judge sentences Stanley to Camp Greenlake, a reformatory program for teenagers. Run by a mysterious warden and an aggressive counselor known only as Mr. Sir, this camp's program consists of mainly one activity, digging holes. After spending a few weeks in the blistering heat, Stanley discovers that there's a deeper purpose to the digging, and it's not to build character. Right. <laughs> yep. I love that detail in this. The it's to build character, and the, they just kind of stand by that yeah, they explanation the whole time. Yeah. It's so adulty. Like that is something. <laughs> yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's such a like, because I said so type of thing to say. Right. Yeah. And, and the kids can't really argue it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They just say, yeah, you take a bad boy, you make him dig a bunch of holes, and then you get a b good boy. Right. It's like, it's like sure. Um, okay. Yeah, you physically and mentally abuse them for yeah. long periods of time. And then they're malleable in your hands, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it makes me wonder how you get something like this going. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, who do you tell yes. first? Like, I have this idea for a camp mm -hmm. <laughs> where delinquents will be sent to dig mm -hmm. holes. I don't know how like, they did Who's going to green light that? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they got the funding. I don't know how they got mm -hmm. set up. No, I don't I don't understand any of it. No. Yeah. Yeah, because the judge literally sends him there. Right. How did this happen? <laughs> All right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the making of this movie. Just like the book, the film establishes the location early on, with the characters coming in later. The first shot of holes shows us Camp Green Lake, a barren waterbed with thousands of holes. 450 of those holes were physically dug, with 9,500 of them added in post. And the shot was filmed using a helicopter. This opening shot is unreal. Yes. <laughs> and I remember 
how stoked I was that mm-hmm. it was just like the book in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the book starts with, you know, the book is really talking about the heat in the very beginning, right? Mm-hmm. They talk about how it's 98 degrees in the shade mm-hmm. and there's only shade at the warden's cabin and, and all that kind of stuff. So they're really establishing that it's very, very hot. Yeah. And then you see you have the kid get bit by the rattlesnake. That mm-hmm. happens very early. And then that's how the sh- movie starts, which I think it was perfect to just start it, it that way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's really cool that Lewis Sacker talked about how he began this book because of the heat. So yeah. the fact that they established the movie with this heat so quickly is just awesome. <laughs> yeah. You've got that haze effect. You really mm-hmm. feel like you're there and that it's very hot. Yeah. One thing that always blows my mind for, from that opening shot is just mm-hmm. like, Man, they've got a long way to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like thinking about them. I mean, really, the intention, if they're actually looking for this treasure the whole time, is to dig holes the entirety the of the entire lake. lake. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And thinking about how many are there already, but yet how much barren lake is still left. Yeah. Right? Craziness. For months, the cast and crew braved the heat and intense weather conditions in a California desert. Every young actor had to go through something called Desert Boot Camp, led by the stunt director, Alex Daniels. Tents with water misters helped keep everyone on set cool in the 90-plus degree heat. Man, oh, man. I remember watching all the special features for this as a kid (laughs) after we got the movie and watching it and thinking, like, this looks so fun. I'd love to be in a movie, you know. Want to be an extra. Yeah, and yeah. then I watched the special features where they talked about how hot it was. Yeah. And the boot camp and the shovel drills and all that stuff and I was like, "Never mind. I'm really glad I didn't do this. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. I'm not in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on the couch enjoying this movie." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. In my nice air-conditioned home. Oh, well, no. my oh, my home was wasn't air-conditioned. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I still suffered. <laughs> Shooting occurred in three principal locations that were all very close to each other in distance. The Camp Green Lake set was located on the Disney Ranch. Hey! Ah, We just talked about that. We did! The mess hall, an office for the camp counselors, was actually a repurposed set from an Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence comedy called Life, made just a few years earlier. Yeah! That's really cool. I watched the trailer for that. It looked pretty delightful, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I'll check that movie out. For lighting purposes, and because it was true to the book, the characters all live in tents. There was a big debate during production, but tents made it easier to set up lighting situations. Mm. Yeah, they like custom made the tents to make it possible to light them properly. Yeah. Nice. It's crazy because, you know, watching the movie especially, you see how easy it is because it's a tent, how easy mm-hmm. it is for a scorpion yeah. or a rattlesnake yeah. to just come into the tent Mm -hmm. and it's so wild to think that they have these poisonous animals these yellow spotted lizards one bite will kill you and Mm -hmm. it literally can just walk into your tent at any time Mm -hmm. this is a very dangerous place yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh my gosh not only is it a one kill like one bite kill Mm -hmm. but they're very aggressive too yeah Mm -hmm. so it's like if you see one oh boy yeah because Mm -hmm. they even say it in the in the book, I think, you know, even just seeing one means you're dead. It's like, how was there not a lawsuit? 
yeah. in Seriously. the couple of years before. Right. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, back to this thing. Yeah. How did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> Lewis Sacker's script relies heavily on jumping through time. The first sequences of the movie are even flashbacks, as the audience becomes acquainted with the main character, Stanley. Sacker and director Andrew Davis wanted the jump in the timeline to happen early on, so the audiences could get acclimated with how the story would be told. Even before the movie introduces the plot lines from Camp Green Lake's past, Stanley sees the ghosts of its history on his way into camp. That's such a cool thing. I love how it starts with that. And it's because it's so mysterious. Yeah. But it's not like in a scary way. It's like, no. You know? Yes. I am a huge fan of holes, but I'm a huge fan (laughs) of the way they handle magic in this universe, in this book and movie. The supernatural. Yeah. Yes. You know, I I just love it. I Mm -hmm. love that Stanley is on the bus and he legitimately sees a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. if you're you're watching the movie, you could think, oh, it's just kind of symbolism. Oh, they're mm-hmm. just kind of alerting the audience of Yeah. He reacts to it. He, he looks does. out the window. He looks behind he him. He follows it. Like he yeah. turns yeah. back towards it. He recognizes <laughs> that he just saw someone appear yeah. and disappear. Yeah. Like he saw a ghost. Yep. And he never tells mm-hmm. anyone about it. He mm-hmm. never mentions it to anyone. No. And I I love that like those things exist yeah. and nobody acts like mm-hmm. they're that weird or strange. Yeah. You know, and obviously, you know, Madame Zeroni, all of that stuff actually happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the, incredible. They kind of dismiss it. You know, he, yeah. he probably thinks, oh, I'm just really hot. I'm seeing things yeah. as we're going by in this bus or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't dwell on it. It's not a major thing. It feels very real. It feels tangible. And it's our, in our yeah. universe. Sacker had to make several changes to the story while adapting it to the screen. For example, he added the character of Stanley's grandfather, who first mentions a so-called family curse. The actor that played him was Andrew Davis's father. Oh, cute. That's so cute. That is cute. He said his father has this little head wiggle that he does in the movie (laughs) that he was famous for. It's really cute. It's near the end. (laughs) Another big change that many book fans might notice is Stanley's size. In the book holes, Stanley is overweight and he loses weight throughout the course of the story. This plot didn't make it to the film adaptation because it would have been too physically grueling to ask a child to lose weight while filming. Also, this would have meant that the film would have had to be shot in continuity, which is famously inconvenient. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard to ask an adult to lose weight over the course of, what, three, mm-hmm. four months? Right. You know, yeah. How long it takes to shoot a movie? And, and still not many actors do it. Right. And Mm-mm. and being able to lose that much weight and have it be, lose weight in that time and have it be noticeable, mm-hmm. right. they would have to lose like at least 20 pounds. Right. Yeah. And that's just kind of, it's really, it's a lot. That's, <laughs> to yeah, ask for, it's to too do. much. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why most of the time when actors or actresses are preparing for a role, they, they ask them to do that months ahead of shooting, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You prepare to look a certain way for shooting and then whatever afterward. But to do it while shooting yeah. is a whole nother ballgame. That's yeah. so hard to do. I mean, nowadays they would use CGI or yeah. something. Or, uh, or some kind of suit. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As the film lays out Stanley's origin and introduces us to his family, it shows the audience scenes from the Yelnats home. Set designers were only given the direction that there would be piles of shoes, as Stanley's father is an inventor trying to find a cure for stinky feet. 
What a wonderful little detail. Yes. The designers, of course, went completely over the top, building rigs and fake machines that showed all of Mr. Yelnat's failed attempts. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Such a delightful just room to look at, just seeing just the way they move throughout. (laughs) I love it. I love how quirky his family life is. (laughs) When it came time to cast the kids for the movie, Andrew Davis asked producer Teresa Tucker Davies for someone that was a young Tom Hanks to play the lead. When Davies suggested actor Shia LaBeouf for the part, she said she had found him a cross between Tom Hanks and Dustin Hoffman instead. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. At this point, LaBeouf was starring as Louis Stevens on the Disney sitcom Even Stevens. However, he had never had a starring role in a film, and the character Stanley was a far cry from the zany, troublemaking Lewis. Oh, yeah. This was different, for yeah. sure. I think around this time, he was also in True Confessions, which was a Disney <sighs> Channel original movie that was yeah. dramatic. Mm-hmm. It was a dramatic role. The rest of the kids were handpicked for their roles to make sure they fit the characters perfectly. The actors embodied their parts so well, they were allowed to ad-lib lines. That's that's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and I totally believe it because it's <laughs> so it feels so real. They yeah. they just feel like their characters. They're mm-hmm. not even acting at yeah. that point. Yes. They're just yeah. this is really happening. When they're ragging on each other, it's like, yeah. oh my gosh. And just yeah, the com- camaraderie mm-hmm. and they they really seem like they're friends and that they're just hanging out, having yep. a good time. <laughs> And maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe we'll get some clouds. It'll rain for 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. And we have to build a narc and get two of each animal. Yeah, two scorpions, two rattlesnakes, two yellow spotted lizards, all of that. Casting directors Kathy Sandrich Gelford and Amanda Mackey put together a fairly well-known group of stars for the adult roles. I would say this is pretty. Uh, yeah. Fairly star-studded cast. Mm-hmm. Stacked, yeah. Yeah. Since he was still a young teenager, Shia LaBeouf was a little starstruck by John Voight, who played the tyrannical Mr. Sir. For each day of shooting, makeup artists spent an hour transforming Voight into the character, complete with a beer belly. <laughs> it's important to note that around this time, he was also in National Treasure, like a year Ooh, later. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mr. Sir constantly chews sunflower seeds, a detail that Louis Sacker picked up from a friend that had recently quit smoking. It's a great yes. little detail. It yes. Is. It perfectly gets cigarettes out of the movie because Disney yes. doesn't put that in movies That's now. That's true. Mm-hmm. It also gives the kids something to steal later mm-hmm. and right. get Stanley yeah, in the, trouble. If the kids stole cigarettes later, the movie would be PG-13. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Voight came up with the idea that his character is paranoid of being arrested, which prompted Zachary to add a backstory to his character that involved the warden and Dr. Pendansky. Got him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that when actors come up with ideas. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they work it in to it, add. Right. And it fits so well with this because we already know that this is very sketch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it, it makes sense that the adults involved are very sketch. Are criminals more <laughs> yeah. so than the kids that are mm-hmm. at the camp. Yeah. <laughs> Holes plays with the concepts of first impressions and misunderstandings. Right after Stanley arrives at Camp Green Lake, he's shocked to find that there is no lake. Even in that part of the story is a misnomer. Mm -hmm. He expects there to be a lake. He expects it to be green. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Neither which of these things are true? Nope. The surprises don't end there, as Stanley immediately assumes that Mr. Sir is the warden. Yes. Mm. I believe that, too. Like, when first seeing this, absolutely. Yeah, at every turn, there are so many, like, assumptions that Stanley comes to that are immediately... Dr. Pendansky is the second official that Stanley encounters at the camp, a faux doctor that refuses to acknowledge the kids by their chosen nicknames. Pendansky was played by Tim Blake Nelson, a versatile actor and director. On the audio commentary, director Andrew Davis referred to him as a man that does it all. Tim Blake Nelson is one of those actors that's like that guy that's in that thing. Mm-hmm. You know yes. what I'm saying? Right. Yes. He's so good. You don't realize that you kind of love him mm-hmm. until you go back and notice all the things he's in. And you're like, maybe he's one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, he really, right. you know, he's one of those guys. Like, yeah. he's just like, oh, yeah. He's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, he just fits every role yeah. so well mm-hmm. that it kind of just goes yes. under your nose, mm-hmm. you know? So he was in The Incredible Hulk, and he's in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He was in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes, mm-hmm. he's just in so much. Yeah, he's really And the good. kids really seemed to love him, too. On yeah. the commentary, just they, they gushed about him a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pendansky had several scenes with the kids, which set up his toxic behavior towards Zero, specifically. I hate this character yeah. so much. Yeah. I hate Dr. Pandansky. I hate him more than Mr. Sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Mr. Sir is so much of a character that you're like, ah, look yeah. at him. Yeah. Mr. Sir is kind of like, what you see is what you get. Yeah. yeah. You know? He, he just treats all of them the yes. same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, sure, he's awful. But, yeah. you know, he's awful to everybody the same amount. Mm-hmm. And also, he's just, he's not fake. Dr. Pandansky. Yeah, he's yeah. so toxic. Talks mm-hmm. down to you. Yeah. Just, ugh. He doesn't respect the kids. Mm-mm. And it, he does it all under the guise of, I'm the nice one. You right, know, and, right. and some of the things he says to Zero are just so bad. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> Look at, he's got nothing in his brain he's up an there. Idiot. It's like, why? Because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't what? play along with your games? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Because he doesn't talk to you? Yeah. Is that it's, it? It's because he wouldn't talk, because yeah. he wouldn't play along with him. Yeah. That's why he did that. Even Zero here isn't completely worthless. What about you, Zero? What do you like to do? You just won't talk with me, will you? But he only talks to cavemen, yo. You think you're better than all this? Dude. Damn. This is a child. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) My goodness. Holes breaks up the monotony of Stanley digging a hole for several hours by cutting together flashbacks. Director of photography Stephen St. John was responsible for stitching the different time periods together with seamless transitions. It, you forget. You're like, how much of this is taking place in real time? Yeah. It's yeah. two It's two halves of, you know, one movie. It's, yeah. One is in the past. One is... <laughs> and it's so... And it's, it's really good they did it this way because, again, it would be so boring to watch oh, Stanley yeah. just dig a hole. <laughs> Imagine, like, yeah... He's digging a hole and just maybe like monologuing in his head about something. It's really cool that they kind of cut in between and and we get these timelines and and they don't even show the timelines in order. No. Two, which is kind of wild. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As Stanley sticks his shovel into the dirt, we see his great-great-grandfather shoveling animal droppings. It's during this flashback that we meet Madame Zeroni, played by the legendary singer and actress Eartha Kitt. During filming, Eartha Kitt was 75 at the time, and would tell stories about the golden age of Hollywood and James Dean. 
Oh my god. <laughs> It'd be awesome to hear. I know. <laughs> Only a few years earlier, she starred as Yzma in The Emperor's New Groove. And in the 90s, she appeared in Ernest Scared Stupid. That's how I knew her. Pretty ah. much my whole childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but one of her most iconic roles was Catwoman in the 1960s Batman. Ah, uh, yes. I think, mm. yeah, she embodied Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> Very comic booky mm-hmm. Catwoman rather than like the new style Catwoman. Yes. Yep. And we hear her every holiday season singing mm-hmm. Santa Baby yep. on the yep. radio, her version of Santa yep. Baby. Oh, God, I love Eartha Kitt. Listen to Madame Zaroni. You should go to America. That's where my son is. That's your future. Not Myra Minky. Her head's as empty as a flowerpot. When Sigourney Weaver's daughter read Holes, she told her mom that she should play the warden. Andrew Davis wanted to build up her entrance in the film, so they purposely held off showing her face. In fact, they never refer to the warden as female until Weaver appears on screen. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, really mm-hmm. smart. Yeah, because you automatically assume the warden's a man. Yep, yep. Even the audience does. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a little bit of a gotcha moment for yeah. people mm-hmm. who didn't read the book. Yeah, because they, they build her up to be the toughest mm-hmm. yeah. person around. Like, no shit taken <laughs> yeah. from the warden. The warden yeah. will kick anyone's ass yes. and take anyone's name and then... You're yep. totally surprised, not only that it's a woman, but like a on the younger side mm-hmm. woman who I it, I mean, I assume Mr. Sir is meant to be older than her, at least. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. And it's just like a total flip on yeah. what you're led to believe. Mm-hmm. Andrew Davis said that she understood the role perfectly. I would say so. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I feel like Sigourney yeah. Weaver was born to play that role. <laughs> For real. I love her mm-hmm. in everything, but this is such a good role for me. It's so good. Because you, you want to hate the warden, but I just yeah. don't. Like, you watch it, you're I like, don't, man. She's, I just... she's got, like, the sweetness in the beginning. Yeah. Almost. You know, she, she, yeah. She's got this, like, oh, yeah, no, like, it's fine, you know? Right. Yes. And by the end, you're partially, at least for me, like, she's the only one who I feel a little bit bad for mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it wasn't really her fault that she got wrapped into this. Yeah. You know, I think that she definitely did a lot of horrible things. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, yeah. And getting the kids to dig for her mm-hmm. and sitting up this yeah, camp and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. But when you see the flashbacks of it's Christmas morning. Yeah. And uh, she's digging holes mm-hmm. because her grandfather is obsessed with finding this treasure. And, you know, you feel kind of bad about that, you yeah. know? Right. And she's never, she's one of those leaders that is never outwardly mean to the underlings. Mm-hmm. She's never mean to the kids. Mm-hmm. But she gets her stooges, mm-hmm. Pendansky and Mr. Sir. To be mean to the kids for her. Yeah. Right. So she can maintain the guise of being kind of sweet. Right. Yeah. That's why it's only a little bit that you <laughs> feel for her. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, like that. Yeah. <laughs> she is kind of a product of her parents and her grandfather. Right. If, mm-hmm. if yeah. her grandfather wasn't obsessed with finding this, maybe right. she wouldn't have been this mm-hmm. way. But at the same time, it is still her who made this Camp oh. Green Lake oh, yeah. thing happen. Yeah. When Stanley first arrives at Camp Green Lake, he sees the ghost of a man with his donkey. The incident does not come up again, and the audience just doesn't learn about the character until Pendansky tells Stanley about the history of the lake and the fact that the warden's grandfather owned the town. 
The character is Sam, played by Dulé Hill. At the time of filming, Hill still had a recurring role in the hit TV series West Wing, but was fairly unknown to children's audiences. Dulé Hill wanted to understand everything he possibly could about his character, and he developed a detailed backstory that didn't make it into the film. I love reading about actors doing this because they do it and it's cool, you know? Mm -hmm. They get really invested in their characters and they think, oh, wow, here's how I would feel about this or that. Mm -hmm. This is what my childhood was like. Yeah. I think that's really cool. It's like they become a different person. Yeah. In Hill's first scene, Lewis Sacker plays a cameo as a man that buys a cure for his balding head. Aha. Ah, there we go. Yes. Yes. And I love this scene. It's so funny because he just happens to walk by and Sam Dula Hill says, hey, oh, just take off your hat. And he takes off his hat. And he's like, oh, just rub some onion. <laughs> I knew you were bald under that hat. You know, yeah, like he didn't even ask for it. No. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you, you're bald. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I have a cure for it. <laughs> I can fix that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was cute. His uh, wife and daughter were right next to him, too. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cute. During Sam's first scene, the audience sees Kate Barlow for the second time. Barlow was played by Patricia Arquette, an Oscar-winning actress that has starred in multiple TV shows. Arquette first appears in Holes as Kissin' Kate Barlow, a notorious outlaw. As the film progresses, we see a love story unfold between her and Sam that ultimately comes to a violent end. Unfortunately. Mm. That's my least favorite part of the movie. I know, it goes from best to worst. Seriously, very quickly. Very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I was watching it today and I I was actually crying. Throughout the story, Dulé Hill's Sam begins fixing Kate's schoolhouse and often utters the words, I can fix that. In one of the most touching scenes in the film, he finds Kate crying alone in the schoolhouse. The plan was for Arquette to say a line about a broken heart, and Sam would tell her he could fix it before kissing her. However, Arquette opted out of saying anything, making the scene far more powerful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So perfect. Like, yeah, she did not need to say a exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. We all knew. Yeah, it was beautiful. I, this whole sequence is so touching. I love it. Yeah. Honestly, like it's it could be its own short film. Like I just mm-hmm. love it so much. This very I don't know, it, it it's just so loving and sweet and mm-hmm. he's just oh, I could fix it. First of all, this is like my ideal man right here. Yeah. Like, I can't even I'm sorry, but like <laughs> Shout out to no, I, no prompting. I you're, mean, you just say you're gonna fix something and then you fix you actually sweet, fix it. He's nice, he's charismatic. It's so touching. It's such a beautiful, like, I, I was watching it today. I cried during the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. Because yeah. the whole thing is beautiful, it except is. for the end. Uh, well, the end yeah. is sad and awful. And Dulé Hill, like, this is my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even know? when we were younger, I was like, oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, they play him up to be the most, like, n- the nicest, most handsome oh, guy yeah. you he's could ever imagine. Dashing. Yes. He, you know, yep. just, oh, he's so kind. Especially yes. in comparison to all of the awful oh, other yeah. people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. If I ever met Dulé Hill and he said that I could fix that, oh to my me, god, I, think I would probably melt into a puddle. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I would melt. I think. <laughs> Sam gets executed by the townsfolk after he's seen kissing Catherine in the church, prompting her to become Kissin' Kate Barlow. When the film shows a montage of Barlow robbing and killing, filmmakers edited footage from old westerns. 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. I love that. Nice. It's, so, you know? it's funny if you know it and you're watching, you can see which footage is edited in. Yes. Because <laughs> you can see some pretty old. It's, yeah, it, it's honestly, very different yeah. looking. But... And there's a little bit of like a comedic element to it where they, they made it similar to an old Western, mm-hmm. but they kind of speed up. Mm-hmm. her writing mm-hmm. and it yeah. looks a lot like the writing in old films yes. you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about right and so you kind of see this it is a little <laughs> weird looking this whole sequence mm-hmm. especially because it's not supposed to be scary no or too violent yeah. right. they're just trying to convey that she killed a lot of people right mm-hmm. she is now a bad guy yeah essentially Earlier on in the movie, there's a flashback of Stanley's grandfather telling him about his ancestors that were robbed by Kate Barlow. They talk about the mystery of Kate not killing Stanley's ancestor, but if you look closely, Kate only kills people that were connected to Sam's murder. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is something I never noticed until now. Yeah. I kind of just thought she just kind of went on a murder spree, kind of mm-hmm. lost her mind a little right. bit. Right. But it makes sense because as a kid, yeah. I did always wonder why did he, why did she kill everyone in Stanley Yelnats's group except mm-hmm. for Stanley Yelnats? Because mm-hmm. they talk yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. He's, oh my gosh, she got robbed by kissing Kate Barlow. Did she kiss him? And the mom's like, no. If she'd kissed him, he'd be dead. She'd no, be dead. None of us were here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and it, yeah, I, I never thought about that before. Like, mm-hmm. why did they, why did she kill everybody but him? He wasn't he like a traveling yeah. somebody mm-hmm. like he wouldn't have be, even been around. When right. This all yeah. Happened. She knew that he wasn't connected mm-hmm. with him. Eventually, Kate dies after finding Sam's overturned boat in the dried up lake bed. Production designer Mayor Ahmed actually created three versions of the boat to use in the film. The first was Sam's version. The second was the boat where Kate dies. And the third was the boat that Zero and Stanley find. Yeah, they got to be three different ages. They have to all look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Right. But have three different, like, weathered looks to them. Mm -hmm. That's really, it's really interesting. And I think it's crazy. I still think about this every time. Yeah. Where are the bodies? Where are the bones? You know, why are there- Oh my gosh, you're right. Why are there no, like, human remains there, you know? He died in that boat. He died in the boat, and the idea, I think, is supposed to be that the boat is kind of, like, his headstone. Yeah. Right. And she dies sitting outside of the boat. And I And I imagine buzzards picked her up and stuff, Mm -hmm. but- They couldn't have gotten far. Yeah, like, they never find any human remains. Oh my gosh, you're right. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, so I could see how his body could disappear because if the boat flipped over, his mm-hmm. body could be Maybe, carried by yeah. the water because there right. was still water at that mm-hmm. time. So his body could be away from the boat. But hers, I am confused then right about hers. Maybe she wanted it her alive, so maybe someone grabbed a yeah, her up for a bounty. That's Ooh. true. Oh, That's true. that could be. Maybe. I don't know. I was just wondering about it. <laughs> it's true, though. It's really interesting to yeah. think about because you'd think there would be some evidence yeah right the only thing there was the boat and the things that were on the boat yeah yeah one of the biggest elements of the story is the yellow spotted lizard Mm. Mm -hmm. these reptiles are deadly and will kill you with just one bite sacker invented the animal for the story so production had to find ways to bring them to life so the production brought in 14 australian bearded dragons and hand-painted them with 11 yellow spots each. 
I love it so much. <laughs> and I hope, I'm sure some people have done this, but if I had a bearded dragon, yeah. I would 100% do this. You know how people dress up their pets for yeah. Halloween? For Halloween, That yes. would be what it, Just yeah. pop little yellow so, dots on his back for Halloween. Is it just Halloween? like, yeah. Is, is there a, like a paint that you can use on animals? I'm sure there's like a safe. I mean, they safe had to one. for the movie, mm-hmm. right? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Animal trainer Larry Madrid taught four of the dragons to play principal parts. CGI versions of the reptiles also appeared in the film, like when Stanley's almost attacked by one. John Voight had a lot of fun shooting the scenes with the lizards, as he was the one that got to fire at them. John Voight's facial expressions, though, in this scene is <laughs> freaking amazing, and Adam is just showing us now, as oh my gosh, yeah. He's kind of tiptoeing around with the gun. yeah. yeah. So Eyes good. super wide, <laughs> crazy looking. Yeah, but because of his face, he can't really open his eyes as wide as he'd probably like to. Because yeah. he's already he's already like squinting all the time. So yeah, he's like, <laughs> just crazy. He's like Elmer Fudd. Yeah, it's lizard season. Visual effects artists use CGI for establishing shots, like the one of Green Lake during the time of Kate Barlow. Artists did a lot of research to find a lake that would match the dried up lake bed. They ended up using Lake Casitas in California. It's cool because we just learned about something wicked this way comes. Yeah. And I like seeing how basically Disney movies mm-hmm. at this point were still made very similarly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you had the Disney ranch and just like the regular physical location and then you're compositing in yep. lakes and mm-hmm. things right, like that. Right. And, you know, back in the 80s, it was, oh, we have to use... <laughs> this pre-CGI technique mm-hmm. that yep. is totally gone now of, like, matte paintings. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in 2003, it was like, oh, just... Yep. Slap it in there with <laughs> CGI. <laughs> I mean, we know it's more finesse than yes, that. Yes, we do. It's, it's more complicated <laughs> than that. But... Yeah, just stick it on a green screen. <laughs> It'll look fine. <laughs> the biggest stunt that was needed for the movie was when Stanley drives the water truck into a hole while trying to escape and find Zero. They shot this stunt from several different angles. Oh, yeah. yeah. They talked about this in my super short show on <laughs> Disney Channel. Yeah. Yes. They sure did. They had Shia LaBeouf on. Oh. I saw this multiple times. <laughs> they interviewed him about this specific scene, ah. this stunt, because he got to actually drive the truck. Which the water coming up and then going down wasted. the windshield. Yeah. Uh, wasted, but cool looking. It's cool. cool looking for the shot. And they let him actually do it. He got to do it himself. Yes. Yeah. The lead up to this crash is Stanley joyriding in the truck. Since the team was filming on private land, they could make sure it was safe for Shia to actually drive. And when we see Mr. Sir hanging from the door of the truck, trying to stop Stanley, John Voigt is actually on a platform alongside the car. When the character falls into a hole, it's actually a double. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. In the scenes where Stanley and Hector are climbing the mountain, it's actually mostly Shia and Cleo. There were only a couple of times when it was stunt doubles because it was too dangerous. Mm. There was a scene where Stanley is having trouble getting up the mountain, and Zero uses the shovel to help pull him up. Shia had to be cabled, and although it looks like it was 300 feet up, it was only about 30 feet up. It's still pretty high. Yeah. It's still <laughs> pretty dangerous. Yeah, right. it's still like you could actually really get hurt from, yeah. that, from that distance. After Stanley and Zero escape Camp Green Lake, we start to see how the land is still marked by its past. 
They walk past a skull, which is meant to be the skull of Mary Lou, Sam's donkey. See, her remains are there. Yeah. This shows the audience Stanley's story is physically connected to what happened in the past, not only through the story of his ancestor, but with the story of Catherine and Sam. Yeah, I like this. Very grounded and, Mm -hmm. you know, you see it's all happening in the same place in different timelines. Yeah. I never even thought about the skull being Mary Lou. I no. Mm-hmm. I just figured they're out in a desert. Yeah. An animal died. They're skulls. Right. They're, yeah. Near the end of the film, Stanley and Zero return to Camp Green Lake to dig up Kate Barlow's treasure, something that the warden had been searching for her entire life. Lewis Sacker felt like denying the warden the treasure was punishment enough for her behavior, but director Andrew Davis disagreed. Davis had worked on several law enforcement shows, and he felt like Mr. Sir, Pendansky, and the warden deserved to be arrested for the misery they inflicted on the kids at the camp. Yeah. Yeah, it's like physical yeah. and mental abuse. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. To the extreme. Yes, these kids could have died. Yeah. There are a lot of, there are so many, first of all, animals that could have mm-hmm. killed them. Over the course, yeah, of- <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how Barf Bag in the beginning he gets yeah. bit by, well, makes himself get bit by a rattlesnake, right? Because the just heat to get is- out, yeah. yeah, it's so unbearable <laughs> that he decides he'd rather um, like risk oh, dying. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah, it's abuse for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. The scene where the trio gets arrested feels especially triumphant because it begins to rain. Production brought in giant rain machines which the kids loved because it was often a hundred degrees in the desert yep it was it it's so real it's yes like they're actually enjoying this rain because it probably feels so nice i know they honestly they're not even acting at this no. point they're jumping around screaming with their hands out yeah. and it you feel it, it feels so good we we kind of assumed that it wasn't raining because of this whole like curse in the yeah. area and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? And then it finally starts to rain because it's broken. Do you think it like they all left the area, but do you think it's gonna continue to rain enough for the lake to actually come back? Probably. I think so. That's kind I of what I, I like I to think. I feel like it was almost it was almost like this justice. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the warden not getting the treasure, not even getting to see the treasure. Yeah. You know, the whole movie, she's, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse, yeah. you know, the yeah. whole yeah. time. And at the end, just let me see inside. Just honest, I just, just let me see what's, <laughs> yeah. excuse me? And he shuts, <laughs> and the, he shuts, shuts the trunk. Oh yes. my God. Yeah. <sighs> Got him. That, that's the stuff dreams are made of. <laughs> that is, I mean, ah, that line that, is that, so I'm good. Throwing it right back in your yeah. damn Yes. Face. It's juicy as hell. This <laughs> is delicious. That is a delicious mm, line. Yes. Mm. Her family's not going to get Kate Barlow's treasure. Mm-hmm. You know, there's closure mm-hmm. for Sam's ghost, baby. In a way, yeah. It, it's kind of all. Yeah. Finally mm-hmm. closed. Yeah. The the part between Stanley's great great grandfather and Madame Zeroni, as well as Kate Barlow and Sam. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. this complete the land has now finally released its demons yeah. yes. and it can rain again. Yeah. In the book, Sacker never explicitly says that the curse has been lifted, but it's very apparent in the film. There's even a voiceover tying up the loose ends of the story which was recorded after the entire film was shot. So let's talk about the music. 
Uh, yes, please. We talk a little bit about the music in this movie. There's a lot of great tunes in this. Music supervisor Karen Reckman helped find and negotiate a lot of the music for the film. The soundtrack is filled with many great songs. Yes. Andrew Davis discovered singer Teresa James performing on Ventura Boulevard one night. When they needed a country cover of Fat Domino's I'm Gonna Be a Wheel Someday, they asked her to do it. That's cool. Teresa James's version appears in the movie after Stanley finds Kate Barlow's lipstick tube and the kids begin digging together. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. You're performing. Someone just notices you. Hey, I want you to record a song for my movie, my <laughs> Disney movie, yeah. oh. with Sigourney Weaver in it. Okay. Well, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Heck yeah. Joel McNeely did the score for the film. He scored a lot of Disney projects, including many of the straight-to-video sequels of the 2000s. Oh, that era. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking. Peter Pan 2, yes. Turn to Neverland. Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. <laughs> You know, the classics. Yeah. Uh, Bambi 2, the rebambying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bambi 2, man's revenge. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Bambi 2, the rebambying does not exist. <laughs> Lady in the Tramp 2, tramp harder. Lilo and Stitch. Stitch, please. <laughs> yes, yes. Marcy, you got one? <laughs> The most memorable part of the whole soundtrack was the song Dig It, performed by the cast of young actors. The song appears in the first scene of the film and during the credits. The artist for the song is officially credited as Detent Boys and was written by the cast members during their downtime on set. That I didn't know. That (laughs) is so... Cool. Because <laughs> it's such a I, such a bop. I what love it. F- that makes it ten times better than it already was. <laughs> I just love detent boys. Yes. Aww. So as we mentioned before, this was Shia LaBeouf's first starring role in a feature film. In the credits, it even bills him with introducing Shia LaBeouf. When I the only reason I like remember that is because mm-hmm. my mom took me to see this when I when it first came out, and I remember we were sitting in the theater and I already loved Shia LaBeouf mm-hmm. because right. I watched Even Stevens. Yep. And at uh, the yeah. end, they showed Shia LaBeouf's face, and it said, "And introducing Shia LaBeouf," <laughs> and my mom was confused. She was like, "Isn't he already famous?" <laughs> <laughs> Even Stevens was very popular as far as Disney shows Mm -hmm. go. But I mean, outside of that, who knew? Cleo Thomas played Hector Zeroni, or Zero, reportedly beating out well-known child actors like Taj Maori. That's a big deal. Yeah. Because Taj Maori was on Disney Channel doing stuff too. Right, right. It would have been very easy for them to just pull him along Mm -hmm. with, with Shia. The two boys had great chemistry together. Since Holes... Thomas has had parts in TV shows like Shameless and Parenthood and will appear in the upcoming film Scrap. Yeah, nice. Uh. Sounds fun. John Voight, Sigourney Weaver, Eartha Kitt, Patricia Arquette, Henry Winkler, Dulé Hill, and Tim Blake Nelson are all of the adult characters that we've been talking about this whole time. And, you know, I think Henry Winkler is such an interesting person to put in this movie, too, because Henry Winkler is a child's book author. So I wonder, too, if that was kind of a connection for him. Like, you know, 
The others that played the Young Boys in D-Tent were Max Cash as Zigzag, Byron Cotton as Armpit, Miguel Casto as Magnet, Noah Poletiak as Twitch, Jake M. Smith as Squid, and Brendan Jefferson as X-Ray. The camaraderie of the kids in this movie is adorable. I love it so much. Stanley comes in, they're kind of mean to him. Mm-hmm. He's the new kid. Yep. Things are hard, but they adopt him as one of their own very quickly. Right. And all all things considered. Yeah. And he gets a he gets a nickname pretty quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Stanley kind of gets into a fight with this kid. He like trips mm-hmm. and breaks mm-hmm. his boombox or something, and the kid gets really mad. You hear somebody say, D10! Like somebody yells out D10. And all the detent kids all come and stop the fight. It's like, oh, that's one of our guys. Aww. Yeah. I mean, that's all they can have. Like, yeah. <laughs> they, they have to hang on to that in this horrible yeah. camp that they're at. Yeah. So now we have some fun facts. The stunt coordinator, Alex Daniels, got to be the one to arrest John Voight's character in the movie. Yeah. That's really cool. The sploosh that Hector finds under the Mary Lou was actually made of molasses and applesauce. The dirt on the jar was crushed up graham crackers. How cute. Ah. It's like you can make this little treat yes. for a party or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little cans of sploosh. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should try making yeah. sploosh sometime. They yeah. said it was good. Good. Yeah. Nice. nice I'm willing to try it. The onion bulbs that Stanley and Hector eat on top of the mountain were actually apples wrapped in rice paper. The rice paper had been dyed purple with beet juice and real onion tops were attached to make the makeshift onion bulb. I have to say, I'm so relieved that it's apples. Seriously. This made me want to eat an onion more than anything. Honestly? It looked so good. Honestly, yeah. It looked so refreshing. Yeah. And and like... Yeah. It's because it brings so much life back to them because yeah. they were so And just awful. the texture of it, because yeah. now knowing mm-hmm. the texture is an apple, it makes so much more sense because yeah. the yeah. texture of it looks so soft, yes. you know, and it like looks super onions sweet. are very different mm-hmm. Right, there's the no, rings. Yeah, and the, no layers and stuff. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. you know, onions have layers. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if anyone knew that. Just but... like this book and this movie. <laughs> Ogres have layers? So let's talk about some of the reception of this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know the book got well received. Yeah. yeah, we sure do. Holes was released in April of 2003 and became an instant classic. Absolutely. Hell yeah. School kids all over America watched the film in English class. Worldwide, the movie grossed over $70 million with an original budget of $20 million. Damn, son. Yeah. So it did pretty well. More yeah. than double. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, guys, wasn't this movie everywhere? I Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We watched it in school. Mm-hmm. Marcy and I switched schools over the course of like the Holes timeline. Yes, mm-hmm. we did. The Holes curriculum. It was when... Right about that time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we actually read it three times. Yes. I think the first time it was read to us mm-hmm. because we it, it, it was the book had just come yes. out and it wasn't part of the curriculum yet. Mm-hmm. The second time it was part of the curriculum and we read it. And then the third time it just happened again. Yeah, because yeah. we switched schools. So yeah. Just, that yeah. School, we just yeah. did it earlier at your previous school. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know I this mean, story like the back of our hands. Honestly, <laughs> if there was any book to have to read exactly. three times, I am super thankful exactly. it was that one. At least Instead of Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah. I mean, I love Bridge to Terabithia. I will not knock that book or movie. I love it. But mm-hmm. that one is so much sadder. 
<laughs> the film won three awards, including the Las Vegas Film Critics Society Award for Best Family Film. All right. All right. And in our hearts, it won the award for Best Soundtrack. Yes. Absolutely. Only because of that song. Yes. That song alone yes. could get its own award. Yes. And oh. the lullaby. I love the lullaby. Yeah. yeah. If only, if only the woodpecker cried. This movie, I mentioned it before, and I'll say it again, is just a movie that every time I see it, I'm reminded how damn good it is. Mm -hmm. Because I will go day to day, and Holes comes up in conversation, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I love Holes. That's a great movie. Loved it. Read the book, too. You know, whole yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. But then while watching it, I'm like next level this right. is so yep. good and it's so it's not like it's a, an avant-garde movie that like right. defied mm -hmm. expectations or no. anything like that it's just yeah it didn't change film yeah it's just it's a movie that makes you feel better you you enjoy mm -hmm. it you have a good time the lessons are nice and clear mm -hmm. and it's entertaining yes. it's a very entertaining story and it just feels really fun to watch and it's comforting. It's just the kind of movie you can watch yeah. over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you just, I don't know, you just feel good about it. Yeah. You almost feel like you're part of the camaraderie. Yeah. You, know, you, <laughs> you feel kind of like you're in Stanley's shoes in a way. Right. And I love some of the lines in it too. In the beginning, his father talks about the fact that, you, you know, he's, because the mother brings up that he's failed so many times on this recipe for the, mm -hmm. these stinky shoes. And he's like, you know, I, but I try. I keep trying. I keep trying. But, you know, you really need a little bit of luck. Mm -hmm. What we're missing is the luck. <laughs> but that's why I love at the end when he just gets this little bit of luck where he accidentally knocks in a peach and an onion or something. Mm -hmm. And so right, then that, right. of course, creates... right. The yes. which which is lovely because it's just this whole tie around to the the fact that it was Kate and Sam. Yes, Kate was peaches and Sam was onions. And, and this, yeah, and how like beautiful they were together. Yeah, they were. You right. know, it's like they were the secret recipe. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that is a connection <laughs> I didn't realize. Wow, yeah. that makes total sense. But if it. What I get out of it is that if you didn't already assume that the curse was broken, mm -hmm. this is definitive proof yeah. because yeah. not only did all of the kids at the camp kind of see the justice and it started to rain and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. the family, like Stanley's yes. family curse immediately yeah. is, now is done rich. too. Yep. And not only did they find a bunch of treasure that makes them rich, now they can continue to be rich because he invented this incredible thing. Right. Yep. So, yeah, they're set. Yeah. yeah. And Hector's set. Yes. Zero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the ending is so nice. Yeah. All tied up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> By the mid-2000s, it would be hard to find a middle school kid that hadn't seen Holes. It was a movie that defined a generation, one that now parents show their kids and say, I loved this movie when I was your age. The film perfectly expresses themes of friendship and learning from the past. At every turn, Holes reminds the audience that nothing and no one is ever quite as it seems, holding on to the spirit of the original book. Holes is the kind of book that gets kids excited about reading, 
and in turn, the film is just as inspirational. It's a film that entertains the entire family and holds the all-important lesson to never judge a book by its cover. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of us have uh, holes in our understanding of life. <laughs> and and holes, you know. <laughs> we gotta fill those holes in, you know? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of holes real quick, <laughs> did they ever consider, like, the spacing between the holes? Like, what if the treasure was between two <laughs> holes that they already dug a long time ago? I don't know. Ago? I think yeah. that's why they, like, started building tunnels. Well, after yeah. they found it. Yeah, the, uh... after mm -hmm. they thought they found it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's another case closed. <laughs> Woo! Pretty good. Good job, Carrying guys. the success. Yeah. Carrying it into November. Yes. And before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, and Carlos, and Jaren. Yay. Woo. Thank you, guys. Yes, we really We'll have some really new content up there for you guys soon. Yes, really <laughs> sweet stuff. Yeah. You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. And thank you all who support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Yeah. We really appreciate you. And don't forget, we have another show. It's called No Small Parts. It's an audio drama. It's shorter than these episodes. Yeah. So if these episodes are too long for you, check that out. Instead. Yeah. Or just yep. to switch it up every once in a while. Yeah, you know? they're very different than this. Yeah, they only come out once a month, so yes. it's not like yeah. they're gonna be you're gonna be overwhelmed. But now there's ten of them, so you yeah. can like binge them if you want. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's into that nowadays, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The it's Netflix a whole of podcasts. Decade of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See ya. You know, that door doesn't hang straight. I can fix that. <laughs>